Amen. It's not a fairy tale. It's going to happen. The old phrase says, when Satan reminds you about your past, you just remind him about his future. And I promise you, his future is a whole lot worse than your past. And aren't you glad, as it says once again, the old slogan that we've read the back of the book and we win. Why are we acting like losers? Why are we worried? Why are we doubtful? Why are we fearful? We're going to win. By the way, I believe we're going to win real soon. And we get to leave all of this behind. One day the devil's going to get his. But why don't we just get busy about our father's business until he comes because we know the outcome. And boy, if you're saved here today, what a future you have to look forward to. Boy, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, no more hurt, no more pain, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more $5 gas, no more shortages in line, no more, uh, no more riots, no more political turmoil. Oh, what a future we have to look forward to. And you know, if we have to go through a little bit of that trouble down here, hey, it's all right. It's temporal. Our eternity is forever. And as I heard a missionary say one time, forever is a long, long time. We get to live with him. So I pray today, boy, that was a blessing to you. What an encouragement it was to me. It goes right along with what we're going to preach on today out of Hebrews chapter number six. If you want to go ahead and be turning there, Hebrews chapter six, it is good to have each and every one of you with us today. If you're visiting with us, uh, maybe not for the first time, but have yet to fill out a visitor card, please do that. We'll have a record of your visit. And uh, we love staying in touch with those who have taken the time to be with us today in worship. Hebrews chapter number six. Uh, if you're there, let's stand together. <clears throat> and look down, if you would, to about verse number 17. I'll give you the context uh, before verse 17 here in the message, but let's get down to verse 17. And we're going to begin a series that we introduced last week. Uh, excited about looking forward to some things that I hope will encourage you and help you in the day and age that we're living in. Hebrews chapter 6, if you would look down, uh, verse 17, the Bible says, wherein God, willing more abundantly, <clears throat> excuse me, to show unto the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Verse 19 is going to be our key text this morning. The Bible says, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, so much that we do have strong consolation. Father, we know you can't lie, and you tell us in your word that one day, Father, for those that have trusted in you as Savior, that, Father, you're going to come get us, take us home, and one day the devil is going to be bound forever for all eternity into hell. And Lord, I look forward to the day, Father, where I don't live within the confines of a sinful, fallen flesh, uh, but Lord, have a glorified body that, Father, I'll not be subject to temptations and be able to worship you, Father, without being inhibited. But Father, this morning, we're still in these flesh bodies. There's a lot going on around us in our world that seeks to distract us. I pray you'd help us to set aside the cares of life of the world and the flesh just for a few minutes this morning as we seek to find encouragement. Father, in the day that we're living, thank you that your word has promises and how they're precious to us. Help us claim just one of them today. There's one here lost today, not sure if they're saved, if they have that hope. Uh, Father, they are not having that consolation. Help them to come to know you today. Make it clear their need, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> 
Last week we looked in 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and began a series entitled Defending Against the Fall. And we look for 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. The Bible speaks about before the Lord returns, there will come a time that the Bible uses the terminology to describe a falling away. And we looked at that last week. It's a time the Bible was looking forward that would come. And personally, I believe it's a time that has come. A time where truth and faith and the things of God have not only been abandoned, but they have been refused, and now we've even taken it a step further. You look in our country, not only are they being kindly refused, uh, but they're being adamantly rejected. They're living in a time where people don't have anything to do with God, and sadly, many of those people are those even within the church who they have grown tired of the things of God, and the status quo and the temperature of society uh, has impressed upon us with a peer pressure uh, and helped drive us away from the things of God. We looked last week at the direction of the fall is away from truth. We looked last week that there's a deception in the fall where Satan is going to seek to deceive even the people of God through half-truths, which are untruths, and to help lead us away from the things of God and the things of faith. And sadly, many families will be caught up in this great falling away. Uh, It's sad to see, I believe, some of the early waves, if you will, the early winds of this falling away have already claimed some of its first victims. We look around us, I think all of us know people who used to be faithful to church, who made a genuine profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save their soul, and yet they have now turned from God, rejected God, living against God. Look, I believe there's folks that are even in church today, by the way, you can be sitting here and still rejecting God. Judas sat beside Christ and will still go on and reject him. You may be sitting in the confines of his house, but still rejecting his truth, and you're still going to get caught up in that spirit of apostasy that slowly moves our world away from God. By the way, in way of introduction this morning, could I tell you the first to fall will be those who are already leaning? The first that will fall in the direction of this apostasy are those who are already leaning there. And could I say, dare say this morning, a lot of Christians I know, look, you may not be moving in that direction yet, but you're already leaning there. Why? Because you lean away from truth. Every time you lean away from truth and don't want to hear truth and deny truth, you're leaning away from it. And I hate to tell you, there's going to be families who have sat in this room, maybe even sitting in this room this morning. You're already leaning away from truth. You have no desire to hear it. You have no desire to be changed. You want to live in your own way. You're leaning away from the truth, and you're going to be the first to go. When that spirit of apostasy moves through, and by the way, you haven't seen anything yet. You see people marching in the streets of America fighting for the right to murder children in the womb. You see people marching on behalf of abominations, churches hosting drag shows, churches doing that. And you're thinking, surely we must be there. I don't believe we've seen anything yet that when that spirit of apostasy moves into our world and carries away with it a lot of people who name the name of Christ. I want to beg you this morning, be careful where you lean. Be careful where you lean. I know we're sitting here this morning, but folks, our heart can lean away from God. What did Christ say? Christ says, I knew that their heart was far from me. They would praise him with their lips, and we're good at that. Boy, good singing this morning. Encourage my heart. It was good. 
And we can praise him with our lips, but lean away from him with our heart. And can I tell you, your heart is all that matters to begin with. And you'll be the first to go. You're going to fall because you're already leaning in that direction. It's like the man, he had a buddy, and he was watching his friend walk down the street one day, and he noticed his buddy walked with a little bit of a lean. And he kept telling him, he says, buddy, do you know that you walk crooked? And the guy says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've walked this way my entire life. I don't walk crooked. You must be seeing crooked. Well, after a while, the man began to wonder what he was talking about, and he watched himself in the window of a store, and sure enough, as he walked, he walked with a lean. He says, I can't believe this. He's right. His friend says, look, go to a chiropractor, and they will straighten all of that out. They'll help you with your lean a little bit. And went to a chiropractor, and chiropractor stretched him out and says, sure enough, one leg is three-quarters of an inch longer than the other. And that's why he walked with the lean. Chiropractor got in and did his magic and his work, popping this and popping that and moving this. And after a while, uh, he got him all straightened out. His buddy says, Don't you wish you to listen to me earlier? Don't you wish you'd have taken the time to heed my counsel and go to the chiropractor? That way you could be straightened out. He says, Well, I have to agree, you were right. And he says, Today I stand corrected. Some of you will get that later. You're welcome to laugh out loud when you do get it, okay? I can tell some of you got that back-to-school blues. I can already see it on your face. Most of you are students or teachers, and you'll get it later. Could I ask you something this morning? What's wrong with leaving here corrected? What's wrong heeding the preaching of the Word of God and the truths of the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit? Why don't you let the Holy Spirit be your chiropractor this morning? Why don't you let him help you out? That why when you leave here today, you say, hey, I stand corrected. I don't lean anymore. The Holy Spirit of God, through the preaching of the Word of God, has straightened me up, and I'm no longer leaning in the direction of falling away from God. I'm right where I need to be. Why couldn't we do that this morning? We could. We could if we'd allow God to do his work. Here's the good news. You don't have to get caught up in this falling away. God gives us, we're going to look at one this morning in Hebrews chapter 6. God gives us safeguards that will help anchor us against this falling away. The first is the most important. Look down, if you will. The Bible says in verse number 19. Notice there's a nautical term here. The Bible says which hope we have as an what? The Bible says anchor which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Uh, you think about what an anchor is this morning. I, I have one. Uh, don't ask where I got it. We had it from camp, I think, and uh, it's just a, a fake anchor, but it'll work for illustration this morning. And You think about what an anchor does. An anchor helps hold position regardless of condition. All right? An anchor helps a boat. Brother John told me, be careful not to throw it on the wood. Okay, so I'm going to be careful and throw it up here on the rug. What that anchor does, that anchor helps hold a position regardless of the conditions that are going on around us. Now, I don't know about you, but the conditions are pretty bad. All right? The winds of apostasy are already blowing away from God. The current and the turning of the tide is already carrying people away from God. I'm not just talking about lost heathens. I'm talking about saved people. Second Thessalonians was written to the church at Thessalonica. Now watch this. In spite of the conditions of the world that we're living in, the good news is God says we have a wonderful tool. In verse number 19, it is an anchor for the soul. God says, I have an anchor, watch this, that'll help you hold your position 
regardless of the conditions. It means no matter how bad the world gets, no matter how bad the news says things are, no matter how bad the economy gets, no matter how much this world or our country turns away from God, you can hold your position regardless of the conditions because God says, verse 19, we have an anchor for the soul. Oh, listen to me. You need to realize you have an anchor this morning. What does that song say in times like these? Hey, I'm glad I have an anchor. I don't have to get caught up in the falling away. I don't have to get sucked out by that riptide of apostasy. God gave me what I need to hold my position until he returns. Even if I have to hold my position alone. God's given me an anchor. Amazing. I've never been there, but I've read about them. In Rome, they have the catacombs. Amazing, over 60 sites in Rome, they have the catacombs where uh, many Christians are buried, many martyrs are buried. Not all of them are. Some, they were calling them cults, and some of them, they called them, uh, you know, there were false, uh, false worship, but there's a lot of Christians buried there. Over 6 million bodies buried beneath the streets there in 60 different locations in Rome. I've never been there, but I've seen a lot of pictures, or I've read about them, and as you go through these catacombs, there is a repetitive theme amongst them inscribed on the walls, all right? I have some pictures I'll show you this morning of some pictures that were taken in the catacombs there below the streets of Rome. If you'll notice between the two fish, obviously the symbol of the Christian, a lot of you have it on your car, right? All right, you look right there in the middle. What is there? There's an anchor. You keep going through the catacombs. I believe we have two or three more pictures I'll show you. And they found more pictures of these anchors. You see one on the left and one on the right. And they kept going. And throughout all of these catacombs, they found a repetitive theme that they were inscribed upon these underground burial places, depictions of anchors. Now, who were the people buried in the catacombs? Many of them were martyrs, real, born-again, Bible-believing Christians, not like the ones up on the top side of the streets in Rome. We're talking about born-again believers who it was illegal to practice their faith. And not only did they have an underground faith, an underground church, they would evenly be forced to be buried underground as well. But there's the anchor. These were people who were persecuted and they were martyred for their faith. And yet they left behind a testimony that even in the darkest hour of losing their life for what they believed and having to worship God underneath the streets, they left a reminder for you and I that there is an anchor. And that anchor is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that anchor will hold your position regardless of any conditions you're going through. Can I tell you, we're not going through nothing. I know that's a double negative. You English majors, forgive me. We're not going through nothing like those people were going through. And if the anchor works for them, the anchor is going to work for you and I as well. The problem this morning is I fear we don't realize we have it. We don't realize what we have in the hope. You look at verse 19, the Bible says this hope is an anchor for the soul. Can I tell you, the Bible's already warned us this morning, the conditions are not going to get better but regardless, we still have a hope. So I'm going to give you one thing this morning, three points, but still one thing. We're defending against the fall, and the message today shows us we've got to be anchored in our hope. That's the message today. How do we defend against the fall 
of being carried away in that riptide, that undercurrent of apostasy. How do we save ourselves and our families and our children from that? We've got to be anchored in our hope. And I want to encourage you with that today. Two goals are simply this. I want to help you find it if you don't have it. And then if you do, I want to remind you just a little bit about it if we could. All right? Look back down to verse 19. We're going to jump into this. The Bible says, which hope? Which hope? We have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Now, hope is a wonderful thing if you can find it, right? There's not a lot of hope in our world today. It's great when you can find some, but hope's hard to find today. The problem is most of us do not know where to look. Now, pay close attention. The hope we're talking about is not one that you're going to wait on. It's one you're going to have to seek out. Why? Because verse 18, watch what it says. Verse 18, the second half of that verse says, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Now, this is important to understand today. Illustrating the first point, if you're going to have hope, at some point you've got to get hope, correct? If you're going to have it to hang on to, okay, if you're going to have an anchor for your boat that holds your boat where it needs to be, you need to make sure you have the anchor first. And that's illustrating number one this morning. Hope must have a beginning. If you're going to have hope that anchors your soul, at some point in your life, you have to go and get that hope and lay hold of that hope. Now watch verse 18. The Bible says this hope had to be what? to lay hold upon the hope that was set before us. This is important, folks. This kind of hope is not just going to magically come to you where suddenly you feel like you have goosebumps and this warm, fuzzy feeling goes down your spine that everything is okay in the world today. If you're waiting on that, I hate to tell you, you're going to be waiting a while. Why? That hope's just not going to come to you. Notice this hope has to be accepted. The Bible says this hope was set before us. That means God offers us this hope. By the way, thank him for that. That he was willing, listen, without Christ, what does the song say? We'd be drifting like a ship without a sail. Why? Because we don't have an anchor that holds us in place. And then God, through his tender mercy, comes to us. In our condition, drifting and further and further away from God. Why? Because our sins and iniquities have separated us from God. Yes. All right? And for all have what? Sinned. And so our sin has separated us from God. We're drifting eternally away from God. And then suddenly, hope has been set before us. He comes to us and offers the anchor for the soul. But wait a minute. Notice it says that we lay hold of it. Look, the only way you're going to have hope is for you to get hope, and the only way to get hope is to lay hold of what God has offered you. The reason that our world is hopeless in 2022 is because our world is rejecting the God that can offer them the hope that they need. By the way, times when I feel hopeless, oftentimes it's because I have pushed myself away from the only hope, which is Christ. And the power that he offers us through that hope. Just a few weeks, we will commemorate again another anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And I've told a story very similar to this one, but this one's very specific. August the 30th of 2005, after Hurricane Katrina had moved through, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ian McConnell was flying his Seahawk uh, double rotor helicopter over New Orleans. 
And uh, I think all of us have probably seen pictures by now. Maybe even some of you were there. Uh, And his job was to fly over the flooded areas of New Orleans, which most of it was, because they built the city in a bowl. And uh, not sure why, but they did. And uh, so he flew over, and there's people perched all over their roofs waiting to be rescued. The first three missions, he rescued 89 people, three dogs, and two cats. The people and the dogs, I understand. The cats, I guess he was just a nice guy. <laughs> apologize for you cat people that are out there. Maddie, so I apologize. Maddie's a cat person. Apologize for that. The fourth mission that he flew, they flew over houses. People perched up on their roofs. He lowered his man down with the harnesses. One of the men had his harness on, strapped to the cable, lowered down. Ian McConnell's hovering above the houses that are there. Got down, the man, he could see he's talking to the people that are there. He's trying to get the harness on the man who was on the roof. And the man just kept waving his hands off. No. Finally, the man, his, his uh, co-pilot radios back up. He says, pick me up. He picks him up. He says, well, where's the guy? He says, he will not come. He wants to try to stay and protect his belongings from being looted. I really don't know that there's a market for flooded televisions in the looting world, but he wanted to stay and try to guard them. His fourth mission, they came back completely empty-handed. Why? Because someone would rather hold on to what they had than to receive what they needed, and many of those people perished. Can I tell you something this morning? Hope was there. Hope had been set before them, but they chose to refuse the hope that had been presented to them. Now, folks, as sad as that is this morning, there is an eerie correlation between that and the people of God to where God offers us hope. Listen, we get saved. He offers us that hope, and we have that hope that's an anchor for our soul. But you know what? After a while, we get over our salvation, don't we? Well, I'm saved, I got my fire insurance, and we go off and we haven't lost our salvation. We just go off and get involved in the cares of the world. We have a spirit of hopelessness and God wants us to have hope that anchors our soul and he offers us that hope and yet we say no. Why? Because we want to hold on to whatever it is that's keeping us from that. Oftentimes it's carnal pleasures and it's the affairs of this life that the Bible says that choke out that seed and the parable of the sower. Now, here's what I want you to get this morning on this one point before we get to the second. I told my wife, the second is the good one. So stay around from that one before you walk out, okay? If you're going to have, to have hope, at some point you've got to get hope. Can I ask you, has there been a time and a place in your life where the Lord Jesus Christ came to you and offered you hope and you said yes? If you're saved this morning, watch, you have this anchor for your soul. It is sure and it's steadfast and it'll hold your position regardless of the conditions of the world. If you're saved, you got that. Hey, that's a reason to be happy this morning. I know some of you, it's hard to smile, but try a little bit. It's not going to break your face, I promise. You have a hope that wants to anchor your soul and to anchor your family and anchor your children. And if you're saved, hey, just hang on. Just hang on. Why? The Bible says it's sure. But could it be the reason this morning that we feel hopeless is because we are? Could it be the reason you feel hopeless this morning? In 2022, it's because you are. Because you've never laid hold of the hope that was been set before you. Time and time again, the Holy Spirit has knocked on your heart's door. 
He's offered you the hope, which comes in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's offered it to you. He's offered you that anchor for your soul that will hold you no matter how bad things get. He's offered it to you, and you've said no. Is that why you're hopeless this morning? Can you go back to a place in time in your life where you trusted Christ and his finished work on the cross of Calvary, nothing else to save your soul? If not, no wonder you're hopeless. You've denied the only hope that can anchor your soul, and that's through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember as a nine-year-old kid, 1989, that was the first time that I can vividly remember hearing about heaven and hell. I know mom and dad had taught us that. I know we've been in Sunday school our whole life. I know I had heard it. It was the first time I remember hearing about heaven and hell and really began to consciously wonder where I was going. I remember asking my mom, you know, what was the preacher talking about, talking about heaven or hell? She could tell the Holy Spirit was beginning to deal with my heart and went back and we began to talk to the preacher there at our church and began to share with me the fact that I had a good family was not enough, that I was raised in a good home was not enough, the fact that my grandparents were missionaries, that was not enough, the fact that I tried to be a halfway decent kid sometimes was not enough. He told me that the only hope for me to go to heaven was in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told me, watch this, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Christ brought hope to the lost and dying world, past, present, future. And Christ lived a sinless life and carried my hope for 33 sinless years on his back. And then he carried my hope all the way to the cross at Calvary. And he carried my hope there along with my sin. And then he carried it to the grave. And not only did he carry it to the grave, he carried it out of the grave. And he brought hope to me. But wait a minute, not there. We're not done yet. The Bible says in verse number 20, whether the forerunner is it for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever. Here's what he did. Christ, watch this. After he carried my hope for 33 sinless years, he carried it to the cross. He carried it to the grave. After he came out of the grave, he carried my hope. He went into the holy of holies, the very pleasant presence of God. He anchored my hope on the rock of ages. And today, I want you to know it's sure and steadfast. You're not going nowhere. You can't lose it. Why are we worried? Why are we fearful? We have a hope that's anchored for our... Look, it's hooked good too, okay? It's anchored on the rock of ages that can't be moved. Watch what it says here. Whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus made a high priest. He went in and anchored it personally. Do you know for sure today that you have that hope? Do you know it? Do you know it? Hope must have a beginning. If you go back in your Bible, you read Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't have Christ in you, you have no hope of glory. All right? I remember, look, I was nine years old. That was the first time I was presented the plan of salvation. I prayed a prayer. I, I, I trusted Christ. But boys, 12 years old, I couldn't remember what I did. I nailed it down at 12. And oh, the devil tries to remind me all the time. Oh, there's no way he would save you. Why would God want you? But I go back to the fact that I know my Savior entered into the Holy of Holies. 
He anchored my hope on the rock of ages. And I hold on to a hope that's steadfast and sure. It's a strong consolation. You know, some of you, look, the reason you're walking around moping, your lips dragging the ground, is your hope is in your money, your hope is in your intelligence, your hope is in your good works. Let me tell you, that's not going to give you strong consolation. The only hope is the hope through Christ. The Bible says the very hope of glory. No matter what you're clinging to this morning, at some point in your life, you've got to decide, you know what? I'm going to lay hold. Some preachers knocked on your door 50 times trying to get you to trust Christ, and they're holding it out. You know, Christ comes up. What was that old song, Throw Out the Lifeline? You remember that song? Throw Out the Lifeline. Man, when I was nine years old, first time I ever remember hearing, Christ threw me out the lifeline. Little did I know. Boy, I didn't know a whole lot of theology back then. I don't know a whole lot now. Little did I know that lifeline was connected to an anchor. And that anchor is hooked on the rock of ages. There's no reason for me to doubt, worry, or fear. Why? I have an anchor. But the question is, do you have an anchor? Do you have an anchor? Look, you're going to need it. Remember that spirit of apostasy, those winds that blow you away from God, that current that pulls you away from God? You're going to need an anchor. The good news is God gave you one. Now, here's the good part. Let's go back to Hebrews 6. Hope's available for us, but it has to be accepted. You've got to accept that hope that Christ offers you. But how do we do that? Boy, I was studying last week or two weeks ago preparing for this message, and I read something I want you to see with me in Romans chapter 15. Turn there, if you will. Romans 15, let's turn there real quickly. I don't do a lot of flipping, but I want you to see it uh, because uh, I think some of you think I'm lying. I can't tell just yet. Romans 15, I want you to look down to verse 13. I want you to see this straight out of the word of God for yourself. The Bible says, verse 13, Romans 15, now the God of what? Hope. Aren't you glad, by the way, that, that our God is known as the God of hope? That's our God. I love that. Now, the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. So my God, my Father, is the God of hope, and he wants me, his child, to abound with hope. God doesn't want me to walk around with anxiety and worries and doubts about what's going on. Why? Because we have a God of hope. He gave us this anchor that is our hope. And I saw verse 13, something I don't know that I've ever seen before. I think we find a perfect definition of the word hope in verse 13. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy, and it's the next three words, I believe, is a great definition of the word hope. Peace in believing. Is that not what hope is? I have peace in believing. See, we have peace in believing what? I have peace in believing that Jesus has taken care of it. My anchor holds to the rock of ages. I have peace in believing. He said, well, wait a minute. The world's falling apart. I have peace in believing. I have hope. Why? Because I believe what he said, that I have an anchor for the soul. But wait a minute. Oh, this is important. I have hope because I have laid hold on it. I laid hold on it. Can I tell you why I laid hold on it? Well, because of what that verse says, because I believed in it. The second thing you've got to understand this morning about being anchored in hope is this. Hope is measured in believing Hope is measured in believing. Now think about this. Hope is not blind optimism. Sometimes I can be blindly optimistic. Okay, let me show you what blind optimism is. I sure hope gas prices come down. That's blind optimism. I have no reason to believe that gas prices are coming down. Uh, I hope that uh, the world turns around. 
I hope that people start being nice, okay? I can hope that those things are happening, but I have no basis for that hope. Now, what did Romans 15 13 say? Peace in believing. The hope that the Christian has today is measured in believing. What does that mean? I'm not hoping that something will happen. I'm hoping in something that will happen. Something that is true, something that is real. It's the word of God. Thy word is truth. My hope is measured in believing. I'm hopeful because I believe it. I believe it. I was thinking this morning, my dad used to work out of town a lot and uh, he's chief superintendent on all these jobs and had to be gone. And uh, dad would come home on the weekends and he would usually bring my sister and I, my brother, uh, a, a gift and he would come home. Now, yes, I was excited dad was coming home first, okay? But secondly, I was excited he was going to bring something. And I remember dad, we'd be talking to him on the phone. Mom would put him on the phone. We'd talk to him and he'd be coming from Atlanta or Vicksburg, wherever he's working. And uh, he would say, I got you something. I got you something. And man, I was so excited. Dad's, I was excited dad's coming in. Don't get me wrong, my dad's here today, okay? So I was excited dad was coming in. I love my dad. We're close. We're like that, okay? But man, I couldn't also help but think about what he promised to bring me. And dad always brought the greatest gifts. I, I thought about it this morning. I'm a gift giver by nature. I think it's who I got it from. I love giving gifts. I love finding unique gifts. One time he got me this space shuttle, kind of modeled after the Challenger, and you was remote control, and you controlled it with clicks. There was no batteries in the remote. All it was was clicks, and it worked off sound waves, and you click twice, it'd go right, click once, it'd go left, so on and so forth. It was the neatest thing. One time he brought me this remote, remote control tank that would actually fire. One time he brought me a BMX bike with white tires. Coolest kid in Jeff Davis County, 1988. I'm sure there's a picture and a plaque somewhere for that. And man, knowing about what five, six o'clock you get home, it's like, man, I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is this time, you know? I think he brought home a goat one time for my sister. We named him Billy. Brought her home a goat, you know, and just wondering what it was. And I'm standing there at the door waiting for that blue Ford F-150 to pull in the driveway, excited. Excited why? I know there's something in that truck other than my dad that I really want. My hope, my hope is based on my belief. I believe what my dad said, that not only is he on his way home, but he's bringing something with him. And my hope is measured in my belief. Can I tell you this morning why your hope is small? Here it comes. You ready? I'm going to say this very nicely. Your belief is small. Peace in believing. Look, there's still peace to be had. You're like, but that don't apply to 2022. Yes, it does. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Look, the word of God is just as valid in 2022 as it was in the original 2022. Or 22, Okay. But we've got to get to the place where we decide, do I believe it or not? My father said it. And if my father said it, I can believe it. Then I can look forward to it. Watch this. I'm not saying that you don't have bad days. I have bad days. But I know it can't blow me away. No matter how bad gas prices get, they can't blow you away. Why? Because I have peace in believing that my anchor holds steadfast and sure. And the more that I believe in it, the more hope that I have. That's why I think so many of you are so depressed. You quit believing. 
I want you to think about Peter this morning. I want you to think about Peter when he was walking on water. Would you say when he was walking on water, things were looking hopeful? I would say if you're walking on water, that's hopeful, okay? He's walking on water. But then the Bible says he looked around. Oh, and that's where we make our mistake, isn't it? He started looking around. Man, the wind's blowing, storm. Ooh, circumstances are bad. Conditions are bad. And then he began to sink. Would you also say that that's hopeless? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did Christ say his problem was? It was doubt. He didn't have enough faith. What is faith? Faith is believing. Watch. Literally, Peter's stature and his hope was all measured by his belief. The problem is he started believing in the storm more than he believed in his hope. And that's why he started sinking. You see, your hope's measured by your belief. The Bible says there's peace in believing. Here's the problem. Peace is still available. You just quit believing. Man, that one got quiet. You just quit believing. It says what it always said. Look, look, I grew up in 1980s. Man, I love the 80s. Just a great time. Uh, and, uh, you know, just a good country to live in in the 1980s. The word of God was just as applicable then as it was in 2022. God knew 2022 was going to happen and still wrote this. That we have an anchor for our soul. What does it say? Both sure and steadfast. I love what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1. I'm going to hurry. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul is writing to a young preacher. Now, context is everything. Paul is writing this from prison. Paul has been condemned. Would you say condemnation is hopeless? So Paul is fixing to write how bitter, angry, and despising he is of the things of God which has led him to this place in verse 12. Paul says, for the which cause I also suffer. Oh, no, keep reading. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul doesn't sound depressed. He's going to have his head chopped off. I mean, some of us are paying a little bit more for gas. All of us are paying a little bit more for gas. And I'm talking about we're contemplating atheism. This bad stuff comes in my life. God, where are you? Paul's about to have his head removed from his shoulders, and he says, I'm not ashamed of it. He says, why? For I know whom I have believed. Do you know what that is? He believes, and therefore he has hope. You could have hope this morning if you just believe what God said. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded. Some of you are are still chewing on some of these passages. (laughs) Not sure yet. You better get persuaded. You better get persuaded quick. Why? Because the winds are beginning to blow. One day it's going to become illegal to be a Christian. I just about bet you, or I wager, Christians wager, they don't bet. I just about wager this building will have half less people in it as soon as it becomes illegal to be a Christian. Wait a minute. The Bible says I have an anchor. The Bible says no matter how bad things get, I have an anchor. And that anchor is the hope that I have in what Christ did. And it's sure and it's steadfast. You say, but God, are are you sure? I mean, what happens if we become a socialist nation? God says, I knew that before I ever wrote it. I knew that. Paul is about to have his head chopped off. 
The kind of hope is still available to us. I believe that with all of my heart this morning, but you gotta choose to believe it. The Bible says they lay hold of it. Here's our problem. We come to church and we have this, Brother Bolton and I were talking about this the other day about handshakes. My dad taught me to have a man's handshake and he's teaching some of our boys to have a man's handshake. Uh, Brother Bolton is. And my dad used to say, don't have a dead fish handshake. If you were to shake my hand, now if you're a lady head, that's okay. Kind of scares me when some of you ladies have a better handshake than I do, okay? It makes you worry, all right? Just being straight up with you. Dad says, when you shake somebody's hand, don't give them a dead fish. Now look, if you're going to shake my hand, shake my hand. Don't feel on me. Shake my hand. All right? 2022, shake my hand. Shake my hand. Amen. You're some discerning people. Discerning. Some of us, here's our problem. We have a dead fish grip on our hope. Just long enough Sunday morning. I got it. Yeah, I got it. Oh, got it. Yep. Ooh, I got it. And you're going to walk out those doors and you're going to drop it like a hot potato. Because it's not popular to hold on to this hope. The Bible says, what does it say? Verse 18. The Bible says, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon it. That means to grip affirmatively. That you say, you know what? If this is my only hope, I'm going to grab hold of it. I don't care how unpopular it is. You guys can go where you want. You guys can do what you want. I'm going to hold on to my hope. Why? Because this is the only hope for me and for my home. You've got to hold on to it with a good grip. Now, you think about it. I come to God. I believe in what he said, and he exchanges my belief for his hope. What a deal. I don't know about you. I like a deal. Man, I go to E&B grocery store, you know. I don't know how old that stuff is, but, you know, cook it long enough, you'll kill the bacteria. It's good. Don't tell my wife where it come from. You know, I love a good deal. You ever thought about the deals that God offers you? You ever think about that? The Bible says he gives us beauty for ashes. What a deal. I bring the ashes of a burned out life, and he gives me beauty. My dad preached on it Wednesday night. Wonderful truth, wonderful truth, that he says, I bring him my weakness and he gives me strength. What a deal. What a deal. And this morning, he wants to offer you hope, but that hope is when he trades your belief. God, I believe you. God, I believe what you said. There is peace in Believing. Romans 5 2, the Bible says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope. How did we access it? By faith. You got to believe it. And then you do what? The Bible says you stand in hope. This past month, busy month, a lot going on, a lot of cares weighing on my heart, a lot of things on my mind. And, uh, boy, you just, some days are tough, right? We all have tough days. I know we do. And I have been so amazed the last month at how many times I've been going down the road. I want to show you some pictures. How many times I've been going down the road and seen this. I have several I'll show you. That was yesterday. It was unbelievable. Pause it right there. That was yesterday. The camera doesn't even do it justice. It was so bright, I almost needed sunglasses. I'm not kidding. Not only was it one, it was a double. And I told my Sunday school class this morning, I said, people probably think I'm weirder than they already think I'm weird, but just going down the road, I'd see it, and I would go, thank you. Thank you. Why? Because God says, I wanted to remind you of my promise. I made a promise. 
And even though that was a promise of rain, God treats all of his promises the same. The Bible says faithful is he that promised. He'll do it. He'll do it. The other day I looked out in my backyard. My wife says, look. We looked in our backyard and we saw this. You got to look hard to see it. There was a start and the finish of a rainbow in our backyard. I mean, you know we're special because God gave us our own special rainbow. I don't have the pictures. My wife has the video. I went out there and played in it. There was, there was no gold and no lucky charms. None. Rip off false advertising. Two weeks later, we look out the back window, show you another picture. We looked out, there was a, another rainbow. And constantly these rainbows just keep appearing. And I told my, Miley and I drove up here to the church yesterday. We're out there barefooted in the parking lot, playing, me and my daughter playing. If you saw that, we were not crazy. We were just having a good old time looking at a rainbow. And I said, it's almost like somebody's trying to tell us something. God keeps his promises. But can I tell you, the hope is dependent upon your belief. If you don't believe it, how can you get hope in it? Can I tell you, if I can believe my earthly father is going to come home and he's going to bring me something good, then I certainly can believe my heavenly father when he tells me that he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's taking me out of here. I don't have to deal with this anymore. Look, if you're still here, if you're still here, my house is yours. It's only the churches, but they don't care either. So you go in there and get whatever you want. I'm sure I got good food stacked. I don't care why. My father promised. And I have hope. Why? Because I believed. Because I believe. Romans 15, 13, it says that peace in believing so that we could what? Abound in hope. And I'm going to hurry. A while back, we went through a series in Lamentations. Boy, well, I enjoyed that time in Lamentations, as tough as it is. Now, what does Lamentations mean? It means weeping, crying, sorrow. And yet there's a verse in Lamentations I want you to hear. Chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to mind. What is he saying? What's this? This I recall to mind. That means I'm remembering something. The very next words say, therefore have I hope. Therefore I have I hope. Keep reading. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion and my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. But hear me out, okay? Don't miss this. Look, it's 1210. Time flies when you're having fun. I know you didn't believe it. It was so late. But look, you've got to get this. Why? You need hope. You need to realize there's an anchor for the soul, and it's the hope that we have because of what Jesus did for you. And if you're saved, you've laid hold of it, and you got it. You got it. But wait a minute. What was the very first part of that verse? The Bible says, this I recall to mind. This I recall to mind. Some of you have gotten over your salvation, and you need to recall it. You need to go back today, to that day and that place and that time where you realize you were drifting from God, away from God, to die eternally separated from him. And then all of a sudden, Christ came and threw out the lifeline to you, and you laid hold of it. Let me tell you something. That'll make you feel better than a great retirement. That'll make you feel better than lower gas prices. That'll make you feel better than a raise at your work or a promotion at your job. That's why you got to recall it. Oh, you'd have hope today if you just went back to the day that you got saved. And I fear this morning, if you, look, if you can't get back to the place to realize what you believe, maybe you need to trust him for the first time. Because this morning, that's the only avenue to having this hope, the anchor for our soul. So number two, hope is measured in believing. 
You're not going to lay hold of something you don't believe in. Finally, finally, I'll give you this and we're done. You know the third point's always the shortest, right? There's a hope. It's the anchor that I need to hold still in any circumstance. So at some point, watch this, there's got to be a beginning. Hope's got to have a beginning. You've got to choose to lay hold of it. You can walk out of here hopeless today if you want to. You sure can. He throws you the lifeline. You say, I got to get to the buffet because preacher preached long. And you walk out of here hopeless. You sure can. Or you can lay hold of that. Why do you lay hold on it? Because you believe it. But can I tell you something about myself? My belief is not always what it needs to be. My belief is not always what it needs to be. I wish it was. I wish it was. You remember in Mark chapter 9, there was the dad who had the son, the Bible says, who had a dumb spirit. He brings him to his disciples. They couldn't heal him. And he comes to Jesus and says, can you? Jesus says that all things are possible if you'll believe. Wait a minute. Did Jesus just tell him there's hope by belief? Is that what he told him? All things are possible if you'll just believe. And the dad said these words that I could use as my life's verse. He says, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I know it, and I know what it says, and I know what he did, but sometimes I don't believe it like I should. I want to give you an encouragement before you go today. Even though my belief may waver, the one that I believe in never does. Even though there are times I wonder and I'm prone to doubt and I'm prone to fear and I'm prone to worry and be anxious. Even times where I, in my belief, waver, the one that I'm believing in never wavers. And even when I may not believe the way that I should, I still belong to a God who never fails. Now watch closely back in Hebrews 6. I want to show you something. Look at verse 17. He's recounting the promise that he made to Abraham and his people. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the what? Heirs. Heirs. Even though I don't believe oftentimes like I should, watch this, aren't you glad that I still haven't lost my anchor? You can't lose your salvation. Now hear, hear, hear me out. You can leave your anchor but you can't lose your anchor. So what do you mean by that? Well, you can pretend like it doesn't exist. The Bible says in Peter that you can get to a place where you have forgotten that you've been purged from our sins. Peter didn't lose his anchor when he began to sink. He just left it. He left it. That's why it says when I recall to mind, can I tell you number three, although my hope is measured in believing, in the end, number three, my hope is a matter of belonging. My hope is a matter of belonging. Let me explain before we close. My belief may not always be as faithful as it should, but the one my belief is in is always faithful. And even though I may not be what I need to be, he's always going to be who he needs to be. And I have hope this morning, even when I don't believe like I should, not because of me, but because of who I belong to. He's always faithful. I am his, what does verse 17 say? I am his heir. If you turned over a few chapters to chapter 10, verse 23, the Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without favoring, for he is faithful that promised. 
You have hope this morning, even at times where your faith and your belief is wavering. Can I tell you, the anchor is faithful. It's going to hold. I belong to him. I can never not belong to him again. And even though I don't believe like I should, I still am a child of the king. And I have hope, and that hope is going to anchor me both sure and steadfast. That's why 2 Timothy 2, the Bible says in verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. I belong to a faithful father. And when the wind blows and the current tries to pull me away from my God, faithful as he is promised, faithful as he, I belong to a faithful God. I am an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. Psalms 103, know you not that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I have a hope that anchors my soul in spite of my circumstance. It's not just because of my belief, it's because of who I belong to. I belong to a faithful God. If he wasn't faithful, I'd have no hope in the world. But I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ because I go back to the day and the place and the time that I chose to lay hold. He offered me a lifeline and I laid hold of it. There are times I worry, doubt, and fear, but faithful is he that is promised. If you're a Christian this morning, can I tell you, you belong to a faithful God. You belong to a faithful God. You're the sheep of his pasture. Oh, I am a sheep that runs astray, and I am a sheep that sometimes he has to chastise. But oh, he's always faithful to me. That anchor is always going to hold. If you're here this morning and you're saved, look, I'm not saying the world isn't getting bad. It's getting bad. But the anchor still holds. The anchor still holds. Because faithful is he that is promised. There's a quote. It's often attributed to William Carey. Uh, I believe it is by Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary to Burma, served there for many years, and served under very severe circumstances. He was accused, imprisoned, tortured, his life's work or the mission that he built there in Burma was burned to the ground. He was asked this question on that day. What hope do you have for Burma after all of this tragedy? Adoniram Judson responded, the future is as bright as the promises of God. He's looking around, man, everything's falling apart. Work has been burned down. Family persecuted, I mean, just trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble. Somebody pops up. What hope is there left? He said, the future is just as bright as the promises of God. You see, the circumstances didn't change the fact of who he belonged to. My God's still in charge. My God's still on the throne. And the promises of God are still good. Can I tell you there's a reason Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Can I tell you why it's hard for you to be patient in tribulation? You're not rejoicing in hope. I want to tell you what you ought to do today. If you're saved, you ought to go home and you ought to spend a few minutes recounting that day that you laid hold. And you realize that God took care of the greatest problem you ever had when he saved your soul on that day. Nothing you're facing now is anything in comparison to what he did for you on that day. 
And if he could save your soul when you laid hold of that hope that is there, the Bible says, you know what? I can remain just like my anchor, steadfast and sure. I can hold my position regardless of the conditions because I have an anchor for my soul. I want to ask you this and I'm done. Has your hope had a beginning? Can you go back to a place in time? I'm not saying when you pray to prayer. There's a lot of good people who prayed a lot of good prayers and they're in hell today. It's not just praying a prayer. Why? Remember, it goes back to believing. You got to believe on the Lord Jesus. Not just pray. You say, well, I got my name put on that three by five card. There's going to be a lot of three by five card people in hell. Does your hope have a beginning? I'm not talking about, well, I got baptized. Look, you can be dunked all day long. Doesn't matter. Can you go back to a place in time to where you put your faith and trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ did and that alone, you laid hold on that, that and nothing else? Well, no wonder you're hopeless if you haven't. You're hopeless. Why? Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. He's got to be in you. I'm talking about in here, not just in here. So if your hope has a beginning, can I ask you this? If your hope is measured in believing, is that why you're hopeless? You're believing the news more than you're believing this book. You're believing your coworker. Bless them. We're telling you about the end of the world in 60 days. Why don't you just believe this book? Believe your father. Hope is measured by believing. And then finally, even when your belief is not what it needs to be, could I just remind you that hope's a matter of belonging? If you're saved, you belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you can defend against the fall because God says you have an anchor for your soul. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our pianist is going to come.